Do you feel that God is near, right next to you? Or do you feel that He is far away? We'll study from the book of James today to see what it shares about how God comes close to us and how we can feel Him right next to us. This book of James is one of the epistles in the New Testament. And did you know that, do you know who the author of this book is, book of James? Who is this James? Well, obviously it's James who wrote the book of James. But this James is actually Jesus' brother his older brother, well, half-brother. Um, so at the beginning, you know how, how older brothers were like, they were like, well, you mean this, this, our baby brother, Jesus, is the Messiah? I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I, you know, played with him. I um, gave him a hard time, maybe when he was younger. <laughs> but then later on, he learned that Jesus, his half-brother, is actually the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself. And he became his disciple, and he wrote this book. And he tells us about how we can submit ourselves and how God is going to come near us, and we'll study that. And just like the scripture reading today, um, I'll be reading from James 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Obedient, subdue unto, or submit yourself unto. Uh, the example of this where uh, we're in the Bible where this word is used in Luke 2 51 it says just went to Jerusalem when he was 12 and he saw he realized that he was the Messiah and he came back home and he was still obedient to his parents that word submit is used to his parents knowing that he is the Messiah he has his mission to carry on he still was submission submissive to his parents until his time has come. Luke 10, 17 and 21 says, 70 disciples were sent out by Jesus and the demons were subjected to their prayers and to their commands. And they got excited and they came back to Jesus and said, Jesus, even the demons listened to us. They were under the subjection of us and the word submit or uh, hupotasso is used. Also, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Young men, be submissive to those who are elderly. The word, the same word is used. So in this word, the word submit James uses is that we have to listen and to be obedient. It means that you are giving up your own plans and you are yielding your plans and agreeing to the agendas of your master. Are we doing that, friends? Are we giving up our own agenda and are we submitting our plans to God and, and willing to listen to what He tells us to do? Are we doing that? Or are we planning our own things, making our, our own plans and agendas and not even asking God and just following it one after another? That's the first step, what we need to do in order that God will come near us. We need to submit ourselves to God and God is going to come near to us. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. This word, therefore, or then, means that uh, if you look at the context as before, he's talking about how God is opposing the ones who are proud. So if we are 
if we put our pride aside, then we submit ourselves to God, then He can listen to us, and He is going to do that to us. That's what it means. And the next word says, resist the devil. The word resist here, it means set oneself aside, oppose or resist. It says oppose the devil, resist Satan. Question, who is stronger, God or Satan? Is God stronger? Are you sure? Than Satan? Yes? Yes, you are sure. Can God do anything? Is there something that God cannot do? He's all-powerful. He can do anything and everything. But there are some things that God cannot do. What is that? Yes, he cannot lie because anytime he says a lie, that becomes true. So he cannot lie. He can deny himself, right? But there's something that he cannot do and he will not do to us. That would be forcing himself upon us. Meaning, says he has given all this freedom of choice, given us love, given us salvation, offered it to us. But if we say, God, with all due respect, sir, I will not follow you. I will not accept the salvation that you have given to us. Even with the blood of your own life, I resist. Can God force himself upon us? No, he cannot. If God cannot do that to us, do you think Satan can force himself upon us? No. The same reason. God is stronger. God is more powerful. than he cannot do that. He's not going to do that. Satan cannot force himself upon us. Another word. Satan can tempt us the way how he wants. He can tempt us, push us to the limits where you feel like you cannot bear it. But he cannot force himself upon us just like God cannot force himself upon us. So in the same way, if we resist the devil, then he, no matter how powerful it is, no matter how smart, how wise he is, how cunning he is, he cannot force himself upon us. So the choices that we make in our lives, I choose to fall, I choose to sin, that is not Satan, that is us making a deliberate choice to follow him. Yes, he's very wise and he's very cunning and he's very wicked and he's going to try to push the weakest point that we have, each of us have, and he's going to make us fall very easily. But it is our choice. It is our choice. So if we resist the devil, then he cannot force it. This guy, devil, or another word in Greek, Diablo. Who is this guy? He's the one, according to Matthew 4, 1, he's the one who tempted Jesus, the deceiver, the tempter. Matthew 13, 39 says, the devil sows tear. So he's the one who gives us doubt. Like when we have faith, and on the other hand, like, oh, maybe, maybe that's not true. Maybe this is correct. And that came from whom? The devil, Diablo. And he's the one who will give you doubts, the seeds of doubts. Luke 8, 12 says that the devil, or the birds, 
come and take away the seeds of the word. Remember the story of the birds come and eat away the seeds that are sown? So he will try to steal the word of God from us. Unless we hide it in ourselves, unless we grow the seed in us so that the faith will grow from the hearing of the word of God, if we just hear the word of God, if we listen to the sermons, if we listen to the Bible verses, if we memorize the word of God, and if you forget about it for a little bit, that the devil will come and snatch away your word, the faith that has uh, sown in your heart. That's his job, and he's good at it. John 6, 7, he says, devil tempted Judas to betray Jesus. So here, devil came to Judas and said, Judas, go ahead and tempt Jesus. And was Judas tempting to betray Jesus at first? He wanted, to, he wanted him dead? Is that what he wanted? No. He was saying, okay, Messiah, I know you are the Messiah. I know you have all the powers and you, have, you can perform miracles and do all that. So let me help you a little bit so you can actually show your powers and come out of your shells and do your things. Let me fast forward, push your plan a little bit. I'll help you so you have to demonstrate your powers. I'll help you. I'll assist you. By doing so, he betrayed Jesus and sold him and said, well, as a byproduct, I'll get some money and you'll get to show yourself as the Messiah because you're not going to die. And that's what he did. And it turns out that he betrayed Jesus. And when he realized that, he said, you know what? The devil set me up and he hung himself. So the same words, the same guy, he's the one who deceived Judas to betray Jesus. He's the same one who will be coming to us every single day. Not only every single day. Sometimes, every five minutes, he will come to us and he says, how about this? How about that? And he will suggest things. It sounds good. It sounds logical. But if you follow, once we slip, once we fall, we fall into the temptation of the devil. Ephesians 6.11 says, we have to put on the full armor of God to stand against the devil's schemes. So we need the full armor of God to protect ourselves. Hebrews 2.14, the devil has the power of death. Did you know that the devil has the power of death? That's the exact quote from book of Hebrews 2.14. He has the power of death. But if you read on, God has crushed the power of death of the de devil's, devil's power over death because he has destroyed him. He has conquered death. And the next part says, he will flee from you when you resist the devil. So the devil will come to you no matter what. He's going to come to you. You may want him away. You may want him far away, but he's going to come to you. I don't like mosquitoes. I don't like flies. But mosquitoes love me. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, when I went to Haiti, there are lots of mosquitoes with malaria and all this disease. So we made sure we brought like, those mosquito repellent. And there are other people who don't really get bitten by mosquitoes. But I, get, I know that I get bitten a lot. So I carried it with me the whole time. In my backpack, the whole time. But I went to take a shower, and 
I came to my room. So I went to take a shower, and I came to my room where the mosquito repellent was, and I was ready to spray it. And I realized that within that, I don't know, 15 seconds of walk, because I just washed off all the repellent, and, and I got like two bites already. <laughs> Mosquitoes, oh, you washed off your repellent? Oh, here you go. <laughs> There's an open invitation. So they came and beat me before I was able to spray. So next day, guess what I did? I brought my repellent to my shower. <laughs> so as soon as I was done with taking a shower, before I did anything, I put that on. That's how they love me. Now, just like that, devil is like that. He's flying around you and just, just a chance. And also, if you spray mosquito repellent, there could be some spots that, that you might have missed. Mosquitoes are good at finding that spot where it doesn't smell, and they will go and bite it. And that's how I got bitten. Like, I sprayed all over, but there is one spot that I missed, maybe like one square inch of space. And they find that spot, and they bite you. Just like that. Satan will come constantly. So our job is to resist him. Just like we, pray, we put spray on all over our body. We have to do that. Otherwise, he will come. But, you know, mosquito repellent, it's good for a few hours. But after a few hours, it goes away. You have to spray it over again, right? If you do it in the morning, if you don't do it the whole day, mosquitoes will come to you. Same thing. Uh, devil is even stronger than mosquitoes. So the mosquito repellent is good for like a few hours. But this prayer of resistance, resisting the devil, you may have to do it every moment of your life. It's not like you pray in the morning and it's good the whole day. No. It doesn't work that way. Satan can come to you every minute. So we need to pray. Now, the word resist or flee from you says when you resist the devil, is the Bible says he will flee from you. The word flee, the same word is used in Matthew 2.13. Let me give you some examples of how it's used in the Bible and you tell me the definition of the word flee, okay? Matthew 2.13 says, Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, they will flee from Herod's hand. That's how this word is used. Matthew 3.7, fleeing from the coming judgment. This word is used. Also, Matthew 10.23, fleeing from persecution. Matthew 24.16, flee from, flee to the mountains. Matthew 26.56, disciples Led Jesus. When, the, when they came to capture Jesus to crucify him on the, on the cross, disciples fled. All of them fled. The word is used here. Um, and also, Mark 5.14. A boy is tending the pigs that fell off the cliff and died, 2,000 pigs. The boys fled to tell their owners. Um, John 10.5. Sheep fleeing from strangers because they do not hear, they do not recognize the voice of the shepherd. Um, and also, Acts 7, 20, 29 says, Moses fled to Midian to save his life from Pharaoh. So each time the word is used, this word flee is used in the Bible, does that mean just, oh, I just want to avoid you, kind of fleeing, or is it fleeing for your life? It's fleeing for life. When Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were fleeing to Egypt, they were trying to run away from Herod's hand who were trying to come and kill baby Jesus. When Moses was running away to Midian, 
from, uh, from Pharaoh, he was running for his life. So the same word is used. When we resist the devil, devil is fleeing away, running away from us, just like, oh, you know, let me just go away for a little bit. It's not like that. He is running for his life. You get that? When we pray, the strong devil, the devil that tempted one-third of the angel, angelic body, he is going to run for his life from us. Do you want to do that? Do you want Satan to run away for his life? If you do that, you need to pray. When we resist the devil, that's what James is saying here. When you pray and when you resist the devil, he's going to run for his life from us for a moment, and he will come back just like mosquitoes come back to us. Oh, there's a picture that I wanted to show you. <clears throat> if you can flip to the next screen. Um, I love this picture. I don't know about you, but there's a guy who is reading his Bible. And look at the picture. Whoever the artist was drew uh, an incredible picture. There are angels surrounding him, protect, protecting with a sword from, like, full bodyguards <laughs> surrounding him. Do you think anybody can dare to go touch him? No, I don't think so. Just like that, that's the spiritual warfare going on. If we pray to God, if we submit ourselves to God, and God is going to surround us with his protection, where Satan has to run for his life. As long as we trust in God, as long as we submit ourselves to God, submit like obedient, obey, and, and give up your plans and follow his plan. When we do that, when we submit ourselves, then God is going to protect us just like you see in this picture, just like this guy is protected by the angels around him. <clears throat> you can go back to the next slide where it says the title. It says, draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. I remember first time going to the Niagara Falls. I was so excited. I was in Virginia going to school there, and we had to go to Canada for a summer program of canvassing. The canvassing wasn't really fun, but I was going to be with my friends for three months, and we will be going canvassing for the first time, and I was, we got so excited, and we were driving from Virginia to um, Ottawa, Canada. And on the way, it's Niagara Falls. It's not really on the way. You have to actually go out of the way, maybe about 30 minutes or an hour to go to Niagara Falls. But we were so, like, excited. Let's go visit that place before we go to Ottawa. And one guy, the driver, the owner of the car says, well, we don't have time. Let's just cut, cut it and just go, go straight to, to our work. And all of us were like, oh, let's, let's, can you please go visit? Like, I mean, we, we were arguing with him for a long time because I never went there. I really wanted to go. We took turns to drive. And it was my turn to drive maybe an hour before to Niagara Falls, like the, the, the fork between the road to Ottawa and to Niagara Falls. I think I purposely got lost there <laughs> just to go see their place. Like, well, we're lost. We need to going this way anyways. <laughs> I was driving, so <laughs> we went. And as it was getting closer to Niagara Falls, I was so excited. But I, heard, I saw the whole, like, cloud or like the mist of foggy place uh, what is that and it was getting getting like late in the evening it was getting dark 
And just before getting dark, it was still, you could still see, but it was all like foggy kind of environment. What is that? I realized that was the mist that was created by the waterfall. And when I went, oh, I was so thrilled just to see that much body of water falling. It was great. And when I went so close, I couldn't hear my friends talking to me because it was so loud. The, the sound of the waterfall was so loud, it was like a thunder. Have you been there? It's so loud. And that time, I could just see that for maybe like 30 minutes and, and went. But the next time I went back, I had a chance to go. Have, has any one of you been on that boat that goes like near the waterfall? Yeah? It's called, what is it called? It's called the, uh, yeah, it's called, yeah, you guys know. I, I didn't get on that boat, so I forgot the name. I wrote it down, though. Um, Made of the Mist, that's what it's called. If you get on that boat, what do they give you before they go on that excursion? Ponchos and also umbrellas to cover yourself up. Why? Is it raining? No, it's not raining. But if you go on that boat, as you go closer to that waterfall, you get drenched if you don't have that poncho on, right? That's what happens. I had a chance to go behind the waterfall into the cave and see the waterfall so up close. And they have a, like a, they blocked off in a chain so you can't go, but they made a tunnel. I don't know how they did it, but they made a tunnel so that you can actually see the water falling from the other side, inside the tunnel. It was so scary. <laughs> for the, like, just for the fact that you are inside the waterfall and the water can come in, possibly, and just imagining yourself, maybe you fall into the waterfall and that's it. There is no chance of you surviving, at least me, because I'm not really good at swimming. I can swim, but not that good. So that was a little scary, like the thought that I'm behind the waterfall. Just like that, if you draw nigh to God, as you go closer and closer to God, the glory of God, the, the holiness, that you'll be drenched by that. When you are far away from the Niagara Falls, like we are 3,000 miles from Niagara Falls, we don't hear about it. It's just, you can just imagine. Those who have been there, you can just remember what it was like. But as you go closer and closer, you hear the sound. You see the, the water fog that's happening around that. But if you go closer, even closer, then you can even feel the water mist that was created by the waterfall. And if you actually go on the boat, and if you go really close to it, then you get drenched. Just like that. The closer you go to God, the, the fullness of God's glory and His, His presence you'll be able to fill yourself with God's presence. That's what it means. Draw closer to God. Come close to God. Then He will come close to you. Do you want to go closer to God? I pray that all of us, it is our uh, desire, we will all hope and desire to go closer to God and be filled with His presence and His glory. And when we do that, Satan not come close to us because God is close to us. It says, <clears throat> when we draw nigh to him, he will draw near to us. This word, egizo, this word in Greek, egizo, 
that this word draw is an aorist active imperative tense. Here's a little bit of Greek lesson here. <laughs> this word, this, this grammar, is, it doesn't exist in English. But this means, um, look, if I, just were, if I were to just use draw near to God, this word draw, if I were to use just imperative, that means he's commanding you to do something, right? So if I say, okay, go clean your room, that's an imperative form. Now, that word, the subject is telling the object to do something, is telling, commanding us to do something. But the result of the work, the subject does not care. Whether you finish your cleaning up quickly or completing your cleanup, it doesn't have anything, anything to do with that. It's just simply telling you to go ahead and clean your room. But in Greek, aorist active imperative form means that it's the subject is telling you to go ahead and do it, but expecting you to complete it. That's what it means in Greek. So when James says, draw nigh to God, meaning he's expecting you to go ahead and come close to you and do it right away and finish it. That's what it means when James says, draw nigh to God. So that's what we need to do. It's not like, okay, well, I have to clean up my room. Okay, I have to go close to God. No, that's not, it doesn't mean that. The Bible doesn't mean that. It means He's expecting you to come close to God right now, right away, and finish it. Do you want to do that? Do you want to go to God right away, right now, and be done with it? Go close to God right now. Is that your wish? I pray that you would desire and wish to go close to God. He's asking us to go to God at once, not just casually asking, but firmly affirming to do so right now. There was a guy who fell in love. He loved this woman so much, and he went and told her, I love you. I want to be with you. I want to date you. I want to marry you. She had no interest. Like, I'm not interested. And this guy was persistent. Okay, I'm going to write you. I'm going to write a letter. And he started writing. She wasn't interested. And I said, well, you know what? If you're not interested, I'm not going to give up. And he wrote a letter, one letter a day. Every single day, he wrote a letter to her. Guess what? She wasn't interested. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not interested. I didn't like you. And guess what he did? I'm going to write three letters a day until you open up your heart to me. He wrote three letters a day to her every single day, three times a day. Guess what? Eventually, she changed, and she fell in love. But she fell in love and married, not this guy, but the mail carrier. <laughs> this guy wrote the letter every single day, or three times a day, but who went to deliver the letter every single time? The mail carrier, the mailman. Oh, here's another letter for you. <laughs> because he was writing the letters, but this guy was seeing her face to face every single time. 
she fell in love with this guy. What does that tell you? You need to go close. You need to go see someone physically face to face for the chemistry to work. Well, this is just a story. But the point is that when you go close to God, when you go see Him, visit Him, and talk to Him, listen to Him, when you do that, something will change. When you draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. For the fact that God is near and God comes near, we need to make something clear because it sounds like we have to go to God first and then God will come to us. Is that true? My two kids, JJ and Ashley, <clears throat> when they were younger, they, they fall asleep anywhere, like in the car, on the couch, on the floor, in someone else's house, they fall asleep all the time, anywhere, anytime, when they are kids, little kids. And my job as a dad, after some time, what, what do I do? I bring them to their bed, like from the car, I will carry them to their room and to their beds. And if they fall asleep on the couch, I'll sometimes let them sleep on the couch, but a lot of times I will carry them to their beds, right? Dads do that all the time. <clears throat> we do that, and when they wake up in the middle of the night, or when they wake up from their nap, what do they do? They just wake up and go back to their toys and play? Or go back to their food and eat? No, the first thing they do when they wake up is they cry, looking for who? Mom and dad. And there are times that I would let them, put them down to sleep, put them to their bed, and then I'm downstairs talking with my wife or friends or whoever is visiting and talk to them. And I hear them cry, like, they're crying. And I go, and I tell them they're crying, like, oh, like, like the world is falling apart. That's how they're crying. And then I go and like, oh, don't cry, stop. When they see mom or dad, what do they do? They stop crying. Sometimes they go back to bed right away, or sometimes they just stop crying. It's problem solved, right? And there was one time, a lot of times, that I would go and the kids are crying. So Ashley or JJ, they would be crying when they were like, one or two years old, two or three years old, and they're crying, and I go and like, okay, daddy's here, stop crying, and it, sometimes I go right away, sometimes I don't hear them cry, because you're talking too much, or something's wrong, I don't hear them, so maybe a few minutes pass by, and I go them, they're like, they cried their eyes out, right, <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're crying, and then the thing that, the, the, the line that they say, what they say is that daddy wasn't here. Daddy wasn't here. That's how they say it. That's what they say when they cry. Let me ask you a question. Was I not there? When they were crying, when they woke up, they didn't see me, but was I not there in the house? No, I was there. I was there right next to them. They just didn't realize that I was there. I never let them. Would you leave a two-year-old and leave the house to go shopping somewhere or go somewhere else? No, you wouldn't do that. I'm there the whole time. It's just that they didn't realize. So, for the fact that God is with us the whole time, does that matter to us if we don't realize that He's near us? That doesn't help us. God is with us the whole time, 24-7. He's with us the whole time. 
But if we do not realize that He is there right next to us, if we don't see Him right in front of our eyes, if we don't realize Him right here, if we can touch Him with our hands, then we get scared, just like little kids get scared. We may be, the parents may be right next to the little kids, but they need to see the parents in their eyes. Then they feel relieved. They can go back to bed. They can eat. They can play. Realizing, knowing that the parents are right there. Same thing. God is with us the whole time. But do we know, do we realize that He is with us? Sometimes we forget that He is there with us. And we are fine. The kids cry at the beginning. But when they grow up, when they become teenagers, when they wake up from their nap, do they cry? Do they look for parents? No, they're fine. <laughs> if the parents go away for some time, oh yeah, parents, go, please go shopping, please go, leave me alone. So they can do whatever they want. But that may be their cell phones or their computers, whatever that may be. The kids are fine. Now, are we fine without God? Are we too big? Are we too grown up? James is inviting us to come close to God so that the devil will run and flee for his life. And when we do that, God is going to come draw not close to us. It's not that God is away, far away from us. He is there. But when we realize, when we go to God, then we know that he is right next to us. The God who's been there the whole time with us, we realize that he's been there and he's right there for us, with us. I pray that we all will go close to God and know that God is right next to us and He's with us. Now, how can, we go, how can we go close to God? By reading the Word of God. By reading the Word, we go close to Him. By prayer, we go close to Him. And when we do that, Satan will flee from us. He will run for his life. And by making a habit of it, we go close to God. I'll read from Letters 43, 1892. It says, resist, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. How precious to the tempted soul is this positive promise. Now, if the one is troubled and temptation keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus and draws nigh to God, talking of his goodness and mercy, Jesus draws nigh to him. And his annoyances that he thought almost unbearable will vanish. Vivian Herald, December 3rd, 1889 says, when it becomes the habit of the soul to converse with God, the power of the devil, power of the evil one is broken for Satan cannot abide near the soul that draws nigh unto God. So I pray that you will draw your soul near to God and you will converse with God the whole time. When we do that, Satan is drawn away. He is fleeing for his life. I pray that you will, all of us, all of, all of you will draw closer to God and God will be right next to you and Satan far away. Is that your desire? Would you raise your hand if that is your desire? May God help us as we draw closer to God and He closer to us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are sinners and we feel okay when we are far away from you. But Lord, we pray that you would 
make us, you will give us the desire to feel uncomfortable when we are far away from you. Help us to feel the need to go closer to you. And I pray that you will help us to pray and read the Bible and read the scripture and seek and search so that we will be closer to you. And when we do so, you will also come closer to us. Not that you are far away now, but God who is so close to us, we ignore him now. But Lord, we pray that when we seek him, you will help us to recognize that you are right next to us. And as a result, Satan will flee for his life. Lord, this is our desire because Satan is tempting us every moment in our lives. So Lord, we pray that you will help us to pray, help us to go closer to you, help us to put, a, put on a full armor of God so the devil will flee from us. Bless every single one of us here, especially the ones who had their hands raised. Please listen to their prayers so that our souls will be protected and you will be closer to us. Bless us, Lord, so that we'll be closer to you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.